We're told that Catherine Ann Porter's short novel, Pale Horse, Pale Rider, is a semi-autobiographical story. Porter was 28 during the 1918-1919 flu pandemic and working for the Rocky Mountain News in Denver. She was dating a young soldier who was readying for deployment overseas. When she fell sick, he nursed her at her boarding house until her editor finally pulled strings to get her admitted to a hospital. That hospital was so overcrowded that Porter was left on a gurney in a hallway for nine days, running a fever of 105. When she recovered, she found out that the soldier had died of the flu. Pale Horse, Pale Rider gives the bones of this experience to its protagonist, Miranda Gay. After she is taken to the hospital and suffers through days of pain and fever dreams, Miranda wakes up and feels profoundly alienated from her body and her life. Can this be my face? Miranda asks when she looks in the mirror after finally regaining consciousness. Are these my own hands? She asks a nurse. Rebecca Onion continues, The book's small story of one person's tragedy reminds us that illness is a personal trauma and a pandemic is a million personal traumas in one. Porter said of the flu pandemic in an interview in 1963, It simply divided my life, cut across it like that, so that everything before that was just getting ready, and after that I was in some strange way altered. That from an essay in Slate in March of 2020. And we come to understand that such personal accounts of living during the 1918 flu epidemic aren't plentiful. So the Lackawanna Historical Society recognized its responsibility to the future and began preserving present-day experiences of the COVID pandemic in Lackawanna County. And that was just one level of the society's initiatives through the pandemic. So distinctive were the society's efforts that they were just honored by the American Association for State and Local History with an award of excellence for Beyond Our Doorstep, bringing local history into your home. The award of excellence is part of the association's Leadership in History Awards, the most prestigious recognition for achievement in the preservation of state and local history. The Lackawanna Historical Society has reached more than 20,000 people with the project they call Beyond Our Doorstep. And this weekend, they are inviting all of us to explore local history by taking part in Beyond the Hill, a tour of our favorite places and plantings. Marianne Moran Savakinas, Executive Director of the Lackawanna Historical Society, and Michael Gamartin, the Society's President, paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk about Beyond Our Doorstep and Beyond the Hill and how the Society rose to the challenge of the pandemic. The staff forged ahead. Mary Ann said she did a kicking and screaming because she wasn't that tech savvy, but has done exceptionally well. But Mary Ann and our assistant director, Sarah Pacini, and our tech person, Olivia Bernardi, just jumped into programming and doing things online, doing streaming, doing Zooming, all kinds of things that kept our programming moving forward, kept our committees functioning, 
the board, our meetings and things like that. It was a, a challenge because they're doing all this in an old building built in 1912, too, with not the best of equipment. But they really did a good, a good job, and that was the bulk of what they presented to the association, the American Association, that resulted in this national award. Marianne, what were the questions you asked yourself? I, I, and I did. I asked myself a, a few questions right at the very beginning because as soon as we were working from home, and I, I truly was challenged because I didn't even have a computer in my house, but we were communicating through text, the staff and I, and our first concern was what is our role in this situation? And, I mean, everybody said this is a history-making moment. Well, we'd better keep up because we have to document what's happening. So. One of the first things we did was establish a survey, an online survey, that people could go to and share their experience during the shutdown. So that was one of our, our markers right there. Another thing that I was very proud of um, that wasn't part of the award, but I like to boast when I can, was the attention we paid to our local restaurants because the Historical Society yeah. had been doing and continues to do a, a monthly fundraiser called Dine Lackawanna where we ask a local restaurant to support us. We send our people to the restaurant to eat there, and then the restaurant donates something back. We didn't do that during COVID, but what we did was promote them any way we could, so much so that our friends at Lamar put billboards up just with advertisements for the restaurants. So that was another key factor in what we did. And then, of course, the other thing was, how can we continue to bring local history to our community and beyond? which is why we called it Beyond the Doorstep. That's what the award project mm -hmm. was called, because we had to figure out how to get beyond our door to bring local history to people who could no longer come inside. So we did it in a variety of ways. We started with a weekly Zoomed program called uh, Lackawanna Past Times, a play on the word. It was a way to pass time, but it was also we're talking about the past. And we brought every friend we have who have created all kinds of local history throughout the years to come into Zoom and offer a live program, which was then put on YouTube. As of today, we have 50 different programs on our YouTube page. We also worked with students. We started the project before COVID happened, but we had to regroup and figure out what to do. It was a photo project called Every Picture Tells a Story. And our object in that project was going to be how do the youth view what's worth history in our area but it quickly turned into what do the youth think is valuable to document during COVID through photographs. And that became a great also photo project that's on our website. You can go and look at photos that the students took throughout the shutdown, including their schools, which we, we got permission to go into their schools. And the students took these phenomenal pictures of like empty hallways and lockers that had just been emptied out because it was being halted. And they captured that moment so well. So that was another project. The more everyday project that we did was really my coworker, Sarah Pacini. We called it Daily Diversions, and it was Facebook entries every day with a theme. And people just kept thanking us, kept thanking us for keeping them occupied and interested and educated. And that's why we nominated ourselves for the award. And that's what led to this recognition. So we were very happy about it. We congratulate you. And I love the fact that it wasn't just looking back to 1918, although that's important because we can learn lessons from that, but documenting the here and now of this historical Exactly. Event. That That's why, uh, particularly, uh, I was very proud of the work that was done involving young people because they're, going, they're the ones that are going to move the Historical Society forward. 
and hopefully their potential future board members someday. If they stay involved and they stay connected to the Historical Society, chances are they will get more involved and uh, be a help to the current staff and the future staff. And Marianne, what was the situation? Do you have records and photos or <laughs> evidence from 1918 in the Great Flu pandemic? Well, ironically, that was one of the first pastimes mm. programs we presented because in 2018, we spent a lot of time researching what happened 100 years ago. And again, Sarah Pacini had put together a program. She had done it live before COVID to a lot of audiences. And that was the first thing we thought, well, we've got it in the in the kit. So we'll just bring it out, resurrect it. And um, it was the scarcity of caskets was the name of the program, because that was something that we ran into in researching old newspapers about what was happening in 1918. Now, um, hopefully we didn't see that here, although we had a, a scarcity of emergency room space for sure and hospital beds. But what we thought was interesting when we researched 1918 is you couldn't really get a personal feeling. You couldn't find out what people were going through on a day-to-day basis. And that's why we set up the survey. We wanted to know, what are you thinking right now as you're being told not to leave your house? You're being told to put on a mask. You're being told not to eat out. So we wanted to capture that from a variety of age groups too. I think our youngest ones were probably nine or 10-year-olds, and we went up to about 80 years old. So we were getting all kinds of reactions for that. You have this record. You put it up on the web for people to see. What kinds of archival arrangements do you have for your own purposes? Well, of course, we we will print pieces of it and place it in a traditional library because we are a historical society. But it's really our, our, our virtual digital files that we hold on to. Now, a good friend of ours is Dr. Kathleen Munley, who had retired shortly before COVID. She wanted to stay busy during COVID, reached out to us. And she has actually taken all of the survey answers and put it into a summary report. We haven't published that yet. We want to publish it, but bring out a part two of the survey because we did the survey starting in April of 2020 and a lot changed by April of 2021. So we want to go back and revisit the vaccinations and going back to work and continuing to work from home. There's still a lot happening. So we have to go back and get more information and we'll just continue to add to it and perhaps publish something more stable in the future that can be shared, as you said, for 20 years from now or 100 years. You mentioned because you couldn't do the events, you were taking it beyond your doorstep, but now you're able to do events. And this one gets us outside so we're not closed in. Michael, what's this one? Well, this is our second partnership with the Greenhouse Project at Naog Park. Prior to the pandemic, the two organizations partnered and presented a house tour in the Hill that focused on residential properties and being able to invite the public inside to see these homes that have interesting architectural aspects to them. They're part of the history and the development of the Hill section. And then we also included the homes of gardeners, people that are in the Master Gardener program out of Penn State, people that are just garden enthusiasts that are involved with the Greenhouse Project and have a connection to the Hill. So we, we did one very successful tour. It, it, it was one of our best years of attendance the year before the pandemic struck. And our commitment that we made was to do three projects together in succession and then reevaluate the partnership, see where we want to take it. 
So COVID prevented that from happening until now. We didn't present the tour in its initial state with the two organizations. But the idea was formulated out of committee that we would try doing something in a more public way and take people, invite people to come to public and private places outdoors on the focus of a little bit different than going into somebody's home. And we came up with a tour that this year will present 11 sites on Sunday, June 26th from 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock on that day. It's a self-guided tour that participants or, or patrons who buy a ticket in advance or the day of will be able to trade that ticket in to get a program guide book. And that will have all the information about how to go through the tour. We're taking people beyond the hill to three different sections of the city. We're including downtown Scranton, we're including North Scranton, and we're including East Scranton. And the 11 sites are located in those three areas. Interestingly, we are continuing the residential connection through three outstanding home gardens that are in the East Mountain section. I guess the the climate there is particularly conducive to gardening, from what I'm told. (laughs) But uh, there are three garden sites that are in the East Granton section that people will be able to see and enjoy the outside uh, of these properties as well to see how the residents landscape and present the amenities of gardening in relation to their home, to the physical home itself. We're also showing some public places. We're including the Marine Museum in East Mountain. And on the north side of the city, we're inviting people to tour the Trip House, which is a public place open to the public for entertainment purposes, parties, and and personal events of of life that go on that need to be celebrated. And it's first floor only in the outside areas of the trip house. But then one of the things that's, I think, a little unique to the tour this year is we are showing two redevelopment projects where developers in the person of Don Rinaldi and the Lace Works, which is his project, and John Basiliga has taken on the project of redeveloping the Perotti Cigar Building on North Main Avenue, next to the Trip House, actually. And they are outstanding examples of adaptive reuse of historical sites that factor significantly in Scranton's history in both locations. And we're also presenting the all by library outdoor areas, the gardens that were the design of Olmsted. And the, the library has and will present that day the original plans that were created for that installation of outdoor landscaping material. And we're also showing another what I think is going to be a big surprise to a lot of people. We are taking people to Sweeney's Beach which in northeastern Pennsylvania sounds a little odd, but Sweeney's Beach is a historic site. It is very near and included what were Native American settlements prior to the development of the Scranton area and the first people who came here, either from Europe or from Connecticut at that time in the 1700s. But it's right on the banks of the Lackawanna River as it sweeps through Scranton. And the name Sweeney's Beach originated with a company, the Sweeney Construction Company, 
that had uh, its headquarters right adjacent to the site, which is now Sweeney's Beach. That that company, I remember when I was uh, growing up, you'd still see trucks from Sweeney's Construction, and, and it was a well-known business in the area. That's where the name came from. It's at the bottom, the very bottom of Poplar Street as you approach the river to go from the east side of the city to the west side. It, it's a remarkable place, and we're working with the Lackawanna River Corridor Association. They have really taken the responsibility of developing Sweeney's Beach and maintaining it. They, they incorporate it into a lot of the activities that they do uh, as an organization, and that's totally supportive of the Lackawanna River, which is in much better condition now than in the past. But they're going to do fly fishing demonstrations. They have worked with their volunteer corps, with citizens and, and groups of young people and older people to maintain the natural plantings in that area and incorporate other watershed skills and techniques that will improve the landscape there. It's a wonderful site, a perfect area for picnicking and, and enjoying the water. Marianne, what would you say, just thumbnail, what makes North Scranton different from East Scranton? What characterizes those different neighborhoods? It's hard to say what categorizes them. One of the things we always say about this particular tour is that there's many neighborhoods, one community, because we're, we're all, you know, we're all Scrantonians when we tour the city. But it is interesting because you get pieces of our history at each site, and the, as well as the immigration story, which is a big part of any Lackawanna Valley history. Michael was just mentioning Sweeney's Beach and its connection to our Native American history. We don't see a lot of that because it, it's a hard history to document. And the other problem with the history is that the groups that lived here didn't live here for long. They passed through. They basically were, were coming from one area and going to another. This was a nice place to stop, but they didn't stay for long. So it's, it's a piece of history we don't always focus on. So it's nice that we're able to include that. And North Scranton is one of the earliest sections of this city. We're not going to Hyde Park or West Scranton this year, but that could happen in the future. And then East Mountain gives you a whole nother piece of the story because the mountain is so much more different from what you see downtown or in those neighborhoods. And it has a strong German population. Um, the Marine League Museum, of course, was the Mattis Center at one time. And the Mattis Center, interestingly enough, became a community organization after Penny Bryn burned down. And if you're up in East Mountain, you see Penny Bryn Drive, but you might not know that was the Watrous Estate. It was a great big mansion on the hill, but it also provided a lot of community activity. So we're just trying to tell a little bit more of that story. The Mattis Center became the Marine League. People probably don't know much about that. Fascinating building, fascinating history, and fascinating what happens there right now. In the basement of the Marine League is this phenomenal museum that talks about the beginnings of the Marines in this country and then focuses on every war with dioramas. So it's a great history lesson on a much broader level that you don't get when you visit other sites in Scranton. And all right, we're going on June 26th, so that means roses. What else does it mean in terms of gardens, Michael? Well, we're, we're a little bit beyond some of the spring flowers, peonies and, and the daffodils, of course, and tulips. That's, that's over. And we're going into mature perennials that people have incorporated into their gardens. The alliums, the emerus plantings are in bloom now and, and will remain for a few more weeks. And then uh, the foxgloves are popping up. 
people that uh, start their plants from seed as early maybe as February, you know, in the basement under the grow lights, they'll be putting those out into their gardens. So that's going to add stronger color as, as well as we go into the next several weeks. And we'll probably see some of those young plants in the gardens. Tell us about how we get those tickets. Well, the pre-sale tickets have been on sale since the beginning of the month of June. And pre-sale tickets are available at Nada and Company in Greenridge. They're available at Mansour's Market in Petersburg. They're available at the Catlin House, of course, in, in the downtown area up on Monroe Avenue and at Duffy Accessories in the downtown as well. Those particular locations have done pre-sale tickets for us for many years. You get a little bit of a savings if you make your commitment in advance, but people do wait to see what the weather's like and what their other social commitments might be before they make a decision to go. But on the day of, the ticket has to be purchased at the Catlin House. What are you looking ahead to? Do you have more things in the offing? There is one thing. This summer, we always do Throwback Thursdays at the Circle Drive-In. And so each month in the summer, we offer a movie at the Circle Drive-In that benefits the Historical Society. And they're, they're throwback movies, so they're theme movies. So in June, we do Jaws. And in July, as close to Christmas in July as we can get, we do Christmas Vacation. And there is a following now. There's a cult following where people come in costume as their favorite characters. If, if you don't really get into drive-ins, you should come and just watch the show on the ground because the people are incredible and they're so supportive of it. And then this year for August, we have a special event. We're showing that championship season with the new documentary about that championship season being made in Scranton. So that's kind of a big deal. And that is happening on August 18th. And you don't want to miss that one. Marianne Moran Savakinas, Executive Director of the Lackawanna Historical Society, and Michael Gilmartin, the Society's President, speaking with us about the Society and its response during the COVID pandemic that has just been honored by the American Association for State and Local History with an award of excellence for Beyond Our Doorstep, bringing local history into your home, the Award of Excellence is part of the Association's Leadership in History Awards, the most prestigious recognition for achievement in the preservation of state and local history. As we've heard, the Society is partnering with the Greenhouse Project to present Beyond the Hill, a tour of our favorite places and plantings. And it's this Sunday, June 26th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., it is a self-guided tour, and it will provide you with a chance to learn about the history of city neighborhoods. We heard East Mountain, North Scranton, downtown. There will be a chance to visit two revitalization projects at the Laceworks Village, former Scranton Lace Complex, and the former cigar company, Parodi Cigar Company. Also the Trip House and the Marine Corps League Museum. There will be a special exhibit of original garden plans from Frederick Law Olmsted at the Albright Memorial Library and also the green spaces at Sweeney's Beach are on the tour with three private gardens on East Mountain and a tour book and map with a suggested driving route is provided and you should probably allow four hours to complete the tour. Tickets are available on the day of the tour but only at the Catlin House. 
And in advance, you heard, you can get them at Nada and Company, Mansour's Market, the Catlin House itself, and Duffy's Accessories. For more information on the web, LackawannaHistory.org, LackawannaHistory.org. And if you're not from the county, Lackawanna is spelled L-A-C-K-A-W-A-N-N-A, LackawannaHistory.org. Beyond the Hill, a self-guided tour this Sunday, June 26th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. LackawannaHistory.org.